Welcome to Daily Devoted. My name is Meshach Canyon. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. It's all about the kingdom of God and our place in it. Well, today we're continuing through our mini series in the book of Daniel, and um, we're at a part where, to be honest with you, I'm really struggling with how to convey it uh, because it's it's the, uh, the the dream and the interpretation of the dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had from Daniel chapter two, verses thirty one through forty five. I'm not going to read it because it's pretty long, but I would encourage you to read it. And I'll say I'm, I'm I'll say I'm struggling because it's one of those passages where, um, if we're being honest, most of us skip over in the Bible because it gets pretty repetitive. It talks about clay and bronze and this and that. And so most people don't really know what to do with it. And so they just to say something like, well, listen, God gave David the interpretation. Here's what the interpretation meant. And then they move along to the exciting parts of the story. But I think it's really important to dwell on these interpretations because God is using these to send an overall message, not only to King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, but to everybody in the court that day and to all the exiles who are in who are in Babylon. Right. Because remember the how the story began. God used the kingdom of Babylon, which represents the world to overthrow Jerusalem, which represents the kingdom of God. And so now we have King Nebuchadnezzar having a dream. And in the dream, he saw a statue that was made up of these different elements. So you got gold, you got silver, you got bronze, you got feet that were a mixture of iron and clay. And then there's a small stone that was cut off the top of a mountain that was hurled towards the statue and the statue uh, is, is ground into dust as the stone hits it. And then this small stone turns into a gigantic mountain. So what does that signify? Well, Daniel goes on to tell. Now, remember how the story began. God uses Nebuchadnezzar to overthrow Jerusalem. So within that context, how do you think Nebuchadnezzar might be feeling? Well, you know, he might be thinking things are going right as planned. I'm about to establish a kingdom that is going to rule forever. And if you know your human history, you'll know that every great leader thought that their kingdom was going to last for an eternity from Nebuchadnezzar to Alexander the Great. I mean, you even have uh, Adolf Hitler. What he he thought he was going to have a thousand year Reich. Well, I think it lasted a lot less than that. Um, but even the great rulers don't. But the people that live in it, not even the great rulers, but the people that live in those nations, they thought that their nations would last forever. No Roman thought that they would eventually be overthrown. Greek with Greece, with all their intellect and all of their um, architectural splendor, they thought it would keep on going forever. And if you look right now, there's many Americans who think that the kingdom of America will last forever. This dream that King Nebuchadnezzar has had essentially tells us that all human kingdoms will one day be overthrown and they'll be overthrown by. Okay, so here's what is it? Stick with me. Okay, stick with me, people. What does the rock that was cut out without human hands signify? That signifies a rock that's of divine origin. How do we know that? Well, one of the ways we know is that we know that is um, if you look at how God instructed them to build an altar. So looking like the Levitical books, when God instructed them to build an altar, he told them specifically to not use rocks that were hewn by human hands. 
Essentially, he wanted them to use rocks in the condition that they were already made by him. And so when we fast forward here and we read about a stone that wasn't cut out by human hands, what we're supposed to understand is this stone is of divine origin, right? So a stone that's very small, very insignificant, small enough to be held in a human hand is hurled towards this statue that's beautiful, gold, silver, iron, clay, all the stuff that we humans hold valuable and we hold dear. The stone crumbles it into tiny pieces of dust. And then that stone grows into a magnificent mountain. What is that supposed to mean? What is that supposed to signify? In a book where you got Nebuchadnezzar who's intent on establishing his kingdom, what is that supposed to mean? Well, what it means, as Daniel tells him, is that the kings, uh, the, the God of heaven, and this is verse 44, will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver and the gold, a great God has made known to the king that what shall be after this? The dream is certain and its interpretation sure. So God sends this dream. He gives this dream to Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar in his usual haughty way ensures that everybody hears it because, you know, you better be sure all the wise men are there to hear it. Um, God does this in such a way to let King Nebuchadnezzar know your kingdom is not going to last forever. My kingdom is going to last forever. It's going to start off small and insignificant like a stone cut out from a mountain, but it's going to grow large and it's never going to come to an end. What? So here's the question. What is King Nebuchadnezzar supposed to do with this knowledge? In addition to that, Granting the fact that other people were in that court, that uh, palace, and they hear the dream and its interpretation. What are they supposed to do with that knowledge? Right. Because you got to believe that there are people in that palace who were placing their trust in the kingdom of Babylon and the King Nebuchadnezzar. Right. King Nebuchadnezzar may have been the king of Babylon, but every single person in that palace had their own kingdom. We all have our own kingdoms. I'm the, the, the king of the kingdom of Meshach and you're the king or queen of your own kingdom. So what do we do when we hear a dream about God establishing a kingdom that's going to overthrow every other kingdom? Well, the invitation is to switch our allegiance, right? The invitation isn't to be like, well, I'm going to establish. I'm, I better get get busy doing some work, building my own kingdom up, right? No, the invitation is to switch our trust, switch our alliance, our, our allegiances so that we can place our confidence in the coming kingdom and the coming king. That's what Nebuchadnezzar is invited to understand here as he's ruling this nation, as he's intent on establishing his name and making a name for himself. God is sending a message not only to him, but also to the exiles who are wondering if God has forgotten about them that my kingdom is coming and it will overthrow and it will never come to an end. So to the exiles, endure and place your confidence in me. To Nebuchadnezzar, place your confidence in me. Switch allegiance. Worship me and worship me alone. And that's the message for you and I as well. 
You know, it's very easy for us in our Western context to, I don't know, to place our trust in what we can see, to delight in the fact that life is pretty good for us here in the West. But this dream is also for us. It, it, it asks us, what's your confidence in? Who are you loyal to? What kingdom has your loyalty? Jesus told many parables that were related to this. You know, one of the interesting things about um, the life of Jesus is how many of the, his parables match up with stories from Daniel. So he told many parables where the kingdom of God came and in its arrival, it was very small, like a mustard seed, right? The mustard seed, which is the tiniest of all seeds. But when it when, when it's sown into the ground and grows, it provides shade uh, for all the animals of the earth. So it starts off very small, very imperceptible. But when it grows, it takes over. It's like yeast that was mixed into a bowl. Very small at first, but once you start mixing, it takes over the entire batch. It's a warning for all of us to place our trust in Jesus, to align with him and his kingdom, and to live from there. I encourage you to read the dream and uh, just meditate on it for a little while as, as I'm doing. Because this is a this is a message, a dream that was for King Neb, but it goes out throughout it goes throughout all of history. Let me read the way it ends again. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation sure. Heavenly Father, thank you for the dreams that you give us, especially the ones that point to the coming kingdom and give us an opportunity to align ourselves with the king and his kingdom. Since this dream has happened, the Lord Jesus Christ has come in and has made himself known to us and has made you known more clearly to us. Help us, Lord, to put more faith and more trust and more confidence in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, listen, tomorrow we're going to wrap up chapter two by looking at uh, just a few short verses, verse 46 through 49. But I want to keep those separate because there's an important thing that I wanted to uh, make sure I highlighted and didn't just mix into the uh, dreaminess interpretation. So read ahead and I will talk to you tomorrow. Peace.